0: Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person. And I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If any way that that we can pray for you. If you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our Give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the Word as we look at it together. Well, good morning. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. For those of you who are online, special welcome to you. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, man, we're here to really celebrate the Lord and worship Him today. hope you brought your Bibles. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, we're going to be in verses 19 through 25. We're going to walk through that passage in a little bit. When you came in, you should have received uh, a program that looks similar to this. Inside the program is a study sheet called Hold Fast. It's the title of the message here today. And there's opportunity for you to take notes and uh, this is really designed for you to take home. There's many verses that I won't be able to cover in depth here today, but I would encourage you to do so. I had one gentleman share with me how his wife just really found delight in these. Uh, we did a memorial service for her just recently. And he said, boy, my wife really, it really turned her on. She grew up in a Catholic background, did not really understand the Bible. And these little verses was really helpful for her to understand the Word of God and to see it for herself. And so many of those verses may will be brand new to you. You'll underline them, study them more. Uh, That's really what this piece is for. So if you didn't get one, would you raise up your hand? So we do have ushers that are ready to go. If you missed one, please have one. Anyone? Raise your hand up nice and high. There's some right up here in the front. Anyone else? Just hold them up. Keep them up until uh, someone comes by. Boy, there's a lot of good things that are going on at Big Valley. Uh, next week we start a brand new series. Pastor Joel is leading us on the Believe series. If you haven't picked up your journal, you can do so right after the service. 43 writers. Some of them are pastors and staff, but many of them are sitting right out here. And there's spiritual leaders of the church. Some of them are leading life groups, or involved in other ministries. That little devotional is just an excellent, excellent little piece So we begin next week. So the devotional start on the 29th, and there are five a week. Uh, So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's a daily devotional just like the daily bread, and that will carry you all the way through to November 20th. And it's going to be a great series for us, and the intent of it is to help us to study the Word more deeply. And there's some great resources in terms of how to study the Bible the significance of what we call Bible doctrines, the foundations of our faith. So take advantage of that. And if you're not connected to a group, do so. Real easy, that's what that brochure is about. Many of them are full. There's still room for uh, many others. And take advantage of the ones that are near you. And it's part of our job, my office, to help you get connected to the right group uh, as much as we can to those that are available. So... I've got some questions for you and it's right there in your sheet and I want you to think about this and interact with me on it. So number one, let's just think about this in one word. Where are you at today in Christ? Where are you at today in Christ? Just one word. Are you near? Are you far away? That could be one word. Fearful? Uh, progressing? Uh, delighted? I need delight in him. What is one word that describes your relationship with Christ? Secondly, what is one word that describes maybe a burden that you are carrying today? Something that's really weighing heavy on your heart. What is one thing that is really heavy on your heart? I want to say in each of these questions, the Lord comes to be near to you. We have an altar room just right through those doors and right after the service, if you are carrying a heavy burden, the Lord beckons us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares deeply for us. And there'll be men and women that are there to help pray for you and help support you. And no matter where you are at in Christ, I want you to know the Lord's arms are open wide to you. He says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He invites us to seek him with all of our heart and when we do we will be found by him. These are huge questions that we come every week that we come here. Where am I at with the Lord? What burden am I carrying? Lord, what can I cast? How can I cast my care upon you because I know I know you are faithful to your promises and you care deeply for me. The third is another exercise. I want you to draw a line. Just draw a straight line, horizontal line. And on the far side of the line, put the year that you were born put the year that you were born. Now, you don't have to show that to your neighbor. <laughs> but put it the year where you were born. And somewhere, it doesn't have to be in the middle, put today's year, 2022. And then on the far side, put a question mark. We all have one of these, right? The Lord knows our appointed time. That day is set in stone. And many of us are late to appointments, but we won't be late for this one, will we? (laughs) We're all going to keep this one. Uh, Yesterday, I did a graveside service for my uh, dear Aunt Martha. And she lived to be in her late 80s. And she had a sense right about in here a few weeks ago that things were changing in her life And I got a call from my cousin, Danny. He says, Mom's not going to be around much longer. She knew that she was getting really close to this date. And yesterday when I was in the cemetery, I have many family and friends buried at Wood Colony out by Salida. And as I looked at the headstones, I know for many they saw this date coming, and there were others. This date took them completely by surprise. They thought they had a lot more time between this date and here. But the Lord said, no, you don't. You really don't. And what's really significant, while this distance here is important, (laughs) this is really the one that matters right now, is what are you going to do with whatever measure of time the Lord is going to give to you? Because we don't know when this is going to occur. It could be the end of this day. It could be the Lord is going to give us many more years. But what will you do with what God has given to you? When you look in all the scriptures at what Jesus said, There's only one time, only one time in all of Jesus' teachings that he calls somebody a fool. Did you know that? It's in Luke chapter 16, verse 20. In Luke 16, 20, he tells a story of a man who was very wealthy. He was a farmer, and he had an incredible harvest. Probably had almonds. (laughs) He had more than he knew what to do with. And he decided that he needed to build some bigger barns to store all the things that that he was harvesting and he was looking forward to a, an incredible retirement and he was preparing well for that retirement he probably had visions of a new bass boat or whatever it is that he was going to do and then the Lord spoke to him and says you foolish man he says you fool you are well prepared to live here but you have not prepared to live here what a fool you are that you spend all the time and energy in this area, and you are unprepared for this. Because tonight is the night that you step across this line. And the Lord beckons us not to be a fool. All three of these questions was on the... the, Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote, wrote the book of Hebrews, but that was on their mind too. And we're going to see this really clearly as we go through... Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And I think it's important that whenever you tackle any book, whether it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or whichever one it is, you have a sense of history, and you have a sense of who wrote this book and why they wrote it. Well, we don't know why they wrote it, but we do know who who he wrote it to. And he wrote it to Jewish Christians for the most part. That doesn't mean that that there weren't Gentiles or uh, non-Jews that were reading this. But for the most part, this was Jewish Christians. And you get that as you look through the book of Hebrews because if, if you did not have a Jewish background, there's a lot of Hebrews that won't make any sense. So he was writing to people who understood the rituals of the temple, the sacrifices, the necessity of a high priest and going into the Holy of Holies and and sprinkling the blood on the Ark of the Covenant for forgiveness of sins, the sacrificial lamb. He was writing to people who understood that and who had lived that and knew that. There's a sense that the book was written in Rome or at least to those who were in Rome. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, it talks about Timothy who had just been released from prison. And we know that Timothy, when you look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says, Timothy, come visit me because I don't have much time. And we know that he did. And shortly after, he was put into prison by Nero. But Nero died in AD 68 and was released. So this gives us some clues as to when the book was written. And in verse 35, the writer says, please greet others who are there in Italy. So there's a sense that the book was written to those that were in Rome or in that area. Maybe it was written from there, but it has that flavor in it. And lastly, we know that this group of people that were that he was writing to were significantly persecuted. And we'll get into that in just a little bit, because in the later part of Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about how they had property taken away from them. And they released that... With joy, knowing that there's something better that was ahead. And we'll talk more about that later. But they were significantly persecuted because of their alignment with Christ. The government was against them, the religious, religious rulers were against them. And these were folks that were sorely afflicted and their leadership. So just imagine all the pastors of Big Valley Grace being hauled away, put in jail. And the writer says, by this time, you all ought to be teachers. So if I don't make it through the rest of this day, will you be able to finish my sermon for me? (laughs) We all ought to be teachers, right? And and that's where they were. They were without leadership, and he he is encouraging them to hold fast and to hold on. So that kind of gives you a flavor as to uh, what is in the background of of Hebrews and what's writing it that brings us to this point in Hebrews chapter 10, verse um, uh, 29. The writer has several aims, several aims. There's a reason why he's writing. One is that he wants to uh, drive home the point that Jesus Christ is supreme, that there's nothing greater than Jesus Christ. You get that right out of the gate in Hebrews chapter 1. Throughout the whole chapter, and there's 13 chapters in the book of Hebrews, it is Jesus, 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 Jesus. He's greater than any sacrifice. He's greater than any high priest. All things are in him and for him. He is, the, he is it. And we look forward to the day of seeing him face to face. But there's two other themes that go just right underneath that, and they're not insignificant. And he's writing to these people to encourage them, and he's encouraging them to hold fast. Because there's a real tendency in the midst of persecution to drift away. And he's wanting them to hold fast. To not to be deceived and led astray, but to hold fast onto Christ. And as they hold fast to draw near to him. And again and again, you will see that, and I hope you would look up these other passages of Scripture, but he is imploring these dear friends, hold fast to Christ in the midst of your persecution. Don't drift away. Don't go back to Judaism. Don't be led astray, but draw near to Christ. And we're going to see that as we dig down into the, the word. So with that, that gives us an introduction into Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. So follow along with me. Verse 19, he starts out, therefore, and whenever you see the word therefore, it's because this is true, because everything that he has said before this is true, since these things are true, since the work of Christ is true, since he has made a way for us to approach the Father is true since he is the complete sacrifice since that is true since these things are true look what he says in verse 19 since it's true brethren two things since we have confidence boldness to enter the holy place by the blood of jesus couldn't do that prior to christ but since now that is true because of verse 20, by a new and living way through which he inaugurated us through the veil. And when they had seen that, they would have been thinking about that huge, thick veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the Ark of the Covenant and mankind that only one man once a year could pass through to offer sacrifices to. it, And, and anyone who else would go in and anyone who would go into that veil in an unprepared way would be struck dead. It was a, it was a guarded area, Holy ground before, before the Lord. That veil has been parted for you and I to have complete access. So since this is true, since Christ has made it possible, that is his flesh, verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, and the implication is a great priest who intercedes for us day and night without fail, who stands before the Father, and he says, my sacrifice is good every single day. They don't have to die over and over and over again. It's fresh every day for you and I. Folks, we ought not ever lose our appreciation for what Christ has done for us. Every day, his blood is new for us, that sacrifices, that satisfies God, that, that washes our sins away, that keeps us fresh before God, that keeps us new before him. Since these things are true, look at verse 22, and he's gonna give three things now. Since that these things are true. He's going to say, let us, let us, let us. First thing is, let us draw near with a sincere heart, a pure heart, a good heart. When it, ta- where it talks about sincere is what you see on the outside is what's on the inside. You're coming in with good motives. You're coming in not to use God. You're coming in because you want him. You're seeking him. So let us draw near with a sincere heart in full confidence and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water, just as though we have not sinned is the implication. Some of us have been pretty muddied by by the sins of this world. And God has washed us clean. He's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. And he's granted us full access through Jesus Christ. We ought to stand in holy wonder that we can approach him and we can call him daddy, father in heaven. And because of what Jesus did, we can boldly draw near to God. And so we ought. The second let us is verse 23. Let us hold fast. Let us cling The confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Who's the one that's faithful? Jesus is faithful. He fails in none of his promises. He will keep everyone. So when he promises you, I'll be faithful to the end, he'll be faithful to the end. When he promises you that I will never leave you, I'll never desert you, he will keep that promise. Uh, When he has promised, I go to prepare a place for you, he will keep that promise. He is faithful in all of his promises. And we can hold fast to him, this confession of faith. Uh, We can depend upon him. He will not let us down. And verse 24 is the third one. And then because these things are true, let us consider how to stimulate one another. If you have an NIV, it's how to spur one another onto what? To love and good works, good deeds not forsaking our own assembly together as is the habit of some. And so some were thinking that coming together like this or in small groups was an optional thing. They would make time for it if they had time for it. They didn't see the significance of it. And the writer is saying, folks, we need each other. And we're gonna talk about that in just a moment. So don't be like that. Don't forsake the assembly. Make it, make it a priority in your life. So rather than making, not a priority, but making a priority, you come together to encourage one another, and that's what I would hope would happen here today, is that each of you would leave encouraged in the Lord, stronger in the Lord, holding fast to Him. I hope that you'll have a sense of being drawn near to Him today, that we encourage one another all the more, what does it say, what's the last part? As you see the day drawing near. You see the day drawing near? Things are changing, aren't they? And when you read 2 Timothy chapter 3, when he talks about what it's going to be like as the, as the day draws near to the day of the Lord, man, there's a lot of things that we're seeing today that sure sound like the day of the Lord is coming near. And as we see that that day is getting closer and closer and closer, we need encouragement. Because things are not going to get better, they're going to get worse, and we'll need one another, we need to support one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the power of your word, I thank you for the promises of your word, I thank you that you alone are faithful. So, Lord, we come together here today. We want to hold fast to you, want to draw near to you. Lord, we want to encourage one another in the Lord. That today, Lord, there would be refreshment, that today would be like a cup of cold water in Jesus' name that would help us, Lord, through this next week to hold fast to you, to draw near to you, making you a priority in our life that we'd seek you with all of our heart for your delight, for our joy, our deep joy. So Lord, just lead us here today. Open our eyes today to your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So the writer has three concerns to those that he's writing here. And we saw them as we looked at it. The The first one that you see in verse 22, he's encouraging people to draw near. Take advantage, draw near. Recognize what Christ has done for us, draw near. Because what Christ has done to us, draw fast, hold, hold fast unto Him, hold fast to our hope, hold fast to our confession. So everything he's writing about, he's encouraging folks to draw near to God, to hold fast to Him, and he's concerned about their isolation. He's concerned that they will drift away. And as they drift away, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to pull for our attention. In just a few days, uh, we're going to have a Labor Day festivities, right? And the barbecues are going to come out. And for some of you who don't have gas grills, you're gonna have briquettes. And this is a great example that you ought to use for your children. So you put all the coals in and you squirt the the lighter fluid in it and you light those things up and you get those coals burning and burning and burning until they're all white. Do this. You take your son and your daughter and say, what do you see here? I mean, they're all hot, they're all burning and they're just right, you know, for that chicken or steak, or whatever you're gonna put on. And then take your tongs and take one of those coals, just one, and you take it aside and you come back 15 minutes later, and now what do you see, son? What do you see, honey? What do you see? Well, they're all burning. What about that one? It's not burning. How come it moved away from the pile? It will. In just a few minutes, that coal will become cold. <laughs> if it stays in the pile, it stays hot. That's why we need each other. It's really easy for us to drift away. It's really easy for us to be led astray and deceived. It's really easy for our faith to grow cold when we move away from the pile. We need each other. We were made to be together, to be connected to one another. And so the writer's concerns is that we would draw near to God, that we'd hold fast to him, and he was concerned about our isolation, that we would not be isolated from one another. So, how do we draw near to God? I'm going to suggest several things. One, look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. How do we draw near to God? Let us draw near with a sincere heart. So the very first thing, how do we draw near to God? We need to draw with a sincere heart. That we come in with pure motives. We're not coming to him like the cosmic Santa Claus where that we want him to be our servant. We would need to recognize that he is our God and we exist for him. And that we are best when we are closest to him. We come to him because we need him. We, we come to him, we know that, because that, that there's an emptiness in us that only he can fill. And so our motives when we come to him need to be pure. They need to be sincere. The second thing that it says, and it's right here in verse 22, we come to him confidently. Look at 10.22 again. It says, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. I come to him confidently knowing that I have standing, that in Christ, I am in Christ. I am a child of God. He has promised that as many as would receive him, to everyone who receives him, he gives the right and the privilege to be called sons of God, even to those who have believed in his name. So if you have trusted in Christ, if you have surrendered to him, you have been changed. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. It ought not be an anchor to you. You have been made new in Christ. And Jesus told his disciples that something new has happened, that you can call him, and when you come to him, you can say, our daddy, father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so while our Lord is strong and mighty, he is our heavenly father, and we can come running to him, and his arms are open wide, ready to receive us, and say, honey, honey, get in my lap. Let Let me put my arms around you. What's going on, honey? Tell me. Tell me. You can tell me. Oh, Daddy, I'm really hurting right now. Just lay it on me. And we can come in full confidence. This last week, I met with a lady who's going to be baptized, and she was sharing when I would ask her about her confidence and says, well, I'm just not sure. because I don't feel worthy. You ever feel not worthy? You ever feel like maybe you've missed the mark? Man, we all have. That's the devil talk. That's the devil saying that you're not worthy. And the Lord says, No, I've put my name on you. You are my child. Don't hesitate coming to me. So, as we draw near to God, we come to him with sincerity, we come to him with confidence, but we also come intentionally. We need to intentionally seek him, we need to intentionally go after him, we need to pursue him. David says that as David said that as a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. When you I see many couples that are here today? You went after each other, didn't you? I don't know who was the initiator in your relationship, but I went after my wife. I became very interested in her. I wanted to spend time with her, I wanted to do things with her. We dated, I would initiate the date. I didn't wait for her to say, "Hey, can we go and have a date together?" No, no, I did the initiating because I, I wanted to be with her. And the relationship with the Lord is very, very much like that. We, he, he's waiting for us to seek Him with all of our heart. And the Bible says that when we seek Him with all of our heart, guess what? We, he will be found by us. We'll find him. He'll come to us when we seek Him with all of our heart. Fourthly, not only should we do it intentionally, but we should do it frequently. And the passages are there in, in manna, uh, in the passage in Deuteronomy, read that. Because the Lord says to Moses, the reason that I gave you manna is that I wanted you to know that, that, that the manna had to come every single day. You couldn't keep it unless it was on a Sabbath. Then you could take a little extra. But every day you needed a fresh amount of manna for the next day. Whatever you had yesterday was insufficient for today. And that was to teach us that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This message today is good for today. It's going to wear out tomorrow. You need a fresh pouring of the Spirit tomorrow. You need a fresh Word of God tomorrow. You'll need a fresh Word of God on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And the illustration is a man that was to help us to see that you need something from God every single day. And when Jesus uses the illustration in Matthew chapter 4, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word proceeded out of the mouth of God. The intent of that is that the things of this world are insufficient to fully satisfy our life. Your job will only take you so far in terms of inward satisfaction and peace and joy. Your marriage will only take you so far. The success of your family will only take you so far. None of those are ever meant to fully satisfy one's life. And if your life has only been about the stuff, when you reach to where that question mark was, there's going to be nothing but an emptiness and regret. And the Lord wants us to live a life that has no regret, that has great opportunity beyond that point, looking forward to the day when Jesus says, welcome home. I've been keeping track. Let me show you what's in store for you. Treasures that will never wear out, that moth will not rust um, moth will not eat. Rust will not consume. Thieves will not break in and steal. I want to give you those kind of treasures that will endure forever. Jesus said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you abide in me, my word abides in you. You will bear much fruit for me. And that fruit will remain. I want to give you water that fully satisfies. All that is in Christ. And so we need to find times where we intentionally are seeking him. And we need to have that habit of being with him Every day. Day after day. So where is the place that you go in your home where you meet with the Lord and you spend time with him? Do you have a place? How do we hold fast to the Lord? It tells us here that we're to draw near. This is in verse 22. Verse 23 says to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. How do we do that? How do we hold fast without wavering? First part, look at verse 23. We hold fast without wavering wavering, having our hearts sprinkled clean, oh I'm sorry we hold fast, the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Is what our focus is. We need to have the proper focus. Proper focus is Jesus Christ who is faithful. We don't take our eyes off of him. Remember the story of Peter? How Jesus invited him to step out of the boat and walk towards him? And surprisingly, in the midst of a churning sea, he's walking on water to Jesus until he what? He takes his eyes off of Jesus and he sinks like a rock. In the same way, we hold fast to Christ, but we keep our eyes on him because he is faithful He will fulfill all of of his promises to us. I love this passage in Genesis 32. It's the story of Jacob, who at night is accosted by the angel of the Lord, and they have an all night wrestling match. Any of you have been wrestlers? Imagine wrestling all night without a break. Jacob was one strong dude. For hours they wrestled in the night. Through pain he wrestled in the night. And as morning was breaking, the angel says, you need to let me go. And Jacob says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And when I think of what it means to hold fast, I think of that story of Jacob where there are times in pain we hold fast onto Christ tell Lord, you bless me. I'm not going to let go of you. Those stories there are for our benefit to encourage us to hold fast to whatever challenges that we're faced each day. We need to look forward. That's how we hold fast. Look at chapter 10, verse 34 and 35. Here's the story of the people that he was writing to. If you look over just in a few verses more, the writer says, you showed sympathy to the prisoners. You accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. How did they, it says they accepted joyfully the seizure of their property. How did they do that? Because they knew that they had for themselves something better and something more lasting was ahead of them. If any of you have had a garden, you know having a garden is a whole lot of work. And for those of you who do have gardens It's terrible to take a vacation and come back to it, isn't it? (laughs) Because while you're gone, yeah, your garden grew, but something else grew too. (laughs) And you're going to spend days and hours pulling all the weeds out of the garden. But why do you do that? Why do you work so hard to keep your garden weed-free, watered well, fertilized well? Because you're looking forward to the harvest. And you know, if you let those weeds come in, yeah, you might have a harvest, but those tomatoes are gonna be smaller, those onions are gonna be smaller, those radishes, whatever they are. But if you tend to that garden, you're gonna have delicious fruit, delicious vegetables. And that's how the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to look forward to that day. He wants us to look forward down the line to what's coming. And when you read Hebrews chapter eleven and chapter twelve, you'll see story after story of individuals like Abraham, who had, who once lived in the city, had a very nice compound that he lived into, surrendered that all to follow Christ, was willing to live in tents. And if you read the story in Hebrews chapter eleven, he did so because he was looking forward to what God had in store for him, whose foundations God would lay in heaven for him. When Moses looked at all the treasures of Egypt, and I think the discovery of King Tut in the late 40s, the reason that that was unfolded and why that had been hidden for centuries is so that you and I would be wowed with the treasures of Egypt because that was small compared to the glory of Egypt. But that was there for us to see. Moses walked away from all of that because he knew that what God had in store for him was so much better than what he would ever get if he, kept, he stayed there in Egypt. And so how we hold fast is that we look forward. We look forward to what God has in store for us. We also follow the example of those who have gone on before us, like my Aunt Martha. There are people here in our church who have been holding fast and been drawing near through the death of their child, through the death of their loved one, through the prodigalness of their family and their children, through the, for the struggles of divorce. Whatever, whatever your story is, there are people here who have passed through those deep waters and they had been holding fast. How have you held fast? How have you drawn near to God in that process? And they lay for us an example. In, in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about that those who have gone on before us become a part of a great cloud of witnesses or in the stands cheering us on. Any of you ever walk, go through a 5K run at all? My wife has, I haven't. <laughs> I've been one of those that stood on the side, but those who do, do so. You watch. There are people on the side, the Tour de France. There's people on the road. Encourage them on. You can make it. It's just up the road. It's just over the hill. You're so close. You've got a mile to go. Got a half mile to go. P- keep pressing on. You can finish. You can do it. And when you are in those races, yeah, it's nice to be first, but boy, you're just glad you crossed the finish line. And that's what heaven's going to be like. It's not that you cross first. It's that you cross and you fall into the arms of Jesus. And he says, welcome home. And we have an example of that. And those who have gone on before us. And those who are even amongst us. Who are experiencing those stories of life. Who are holding fast and drawing near. And then how do we hold fast? We embrace the testing. James 1, 2 talks about how when we encounter various difficulties and trials, we rejoice because we know that God's at work in our life. He's not absent from the trials and afflictions that we have. And that these things are producing in us endurance and perseverance, and he's wanting to make us perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's his desire for us. He's refining us. There's nothing good that's come out of our life that hasn't come through out of the fires of testing. Right? Even bankruptcy. There's things that come out of bankruptcy that refine you to help you to be better. I've known individuals, I've gone through that several times, and each time they they come better than what they ever were before as God refines them and renews them. And he can do that in your life too. So folks, we need each other. We need each other. We need each other for protection. In Hebrews chapter 3... It talks about how there will be opportunities where that if we're separated from the pile, it's easy for us to be deceived by sin. And folks, there's a lot of false teaching out there that will, prov- that will prov- talk about how you need to be working just on yourself, not be concerned about others. There's a lot of false teaching that will lead you astray from Christ. And we need the support and encouragement of one another. We protect each other when we meet together. We also need a good poke in the ribs every once in a while. And I use the word poke because I, I, I wanted something different than the word stimulate. <laughs> but, but we need a good poke in the ribs. We need to constantly spur one another on to love and good works. And that's what happens in groups. Where people say, hey, let's go down to Madison Gospel Nation. And let's, let's give out shoes together. Let's, let's, let's do something special at the Christmas time. Let's go out and pick up trash together. Whatever it is. Let's, let's do something together. Would you want to do it with me? Well, my neighbor needs some help. Let's go do, it, go do it with me. And that encouragement to do it with somebody, we need each other to be able to do that. For someone to take the initiative, and let's go do this, that the Lord finds great delight in when brothers and sisters are dwelling together in unity and God's using to be us to be a blessing to somebody else. So not only do we need a protection, but also we need to poke one another every once in a while to love and good deeds. We need encouragement in our own lives, Right? I mean, it, it, to, to, to find courage means to find new courage uh, we need our spirits lifted and over and over again in the scriptures we are encouraged to love one another we are encouraged to support one another we are so encouraged to rejoice with one another we are encouraged to bear one another's burdens we need that in our life and lastly here we need to support one another because there's a lot of things that are going to happen in life that are going to throw us curves, that are going to take us down. There's going to be times where we're going to stumble and fall. And there'll be times when we are going to be crying. There's going to be times where we need people to surround us, to support us, and to help us in those times of need. So what's ahead? There are some things, real things that we're going to face in life. We're going to face trials in life. We will not get out of this life without shedding tears. Right? It is going to happen. Just because you are in Christ doesn't mean that you're going to walk through life through on a bed of roses. There will be periods of time, and Ecclesiastes says this, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to cry and a time to dance. There's going to be seasons in our life that we will go through. Trials will come. A doctor's appointment will come that will give you bad news. There will be a knock on the door that will bring bad news. There will be a letter in the mail that will bring bad news. Trials will come. Persecution's going to come. or I'm sorry, temptations are going to come. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that there's no temptation that any of us will encounter that's not common to man. You're struggling with lust, Welcome to the club. Struggling with greed, struggling with issues of integrity. Man, we are all in various areas. There's areas the Lord tempts us in. We need support and encouragement in each of these areas. We will face temptations. We ought not face them alone. We will need help. And that's what Celebrate Recovery is all about, to help those that are caught in the enemy's snares because some of those things you just can't get out of by yourself. Persecution is going to come. Jesus said that as people have persecuted me, you'll be persecuted too. We ought not to be surprised when persecution comes because of Christ. As he was persecuted, so will we be. What's ahead of us is answered prayer. There'll be times when we will pray together and there'll be times when the Lord will say that not that our individual prayers aren't significant, but there'll be times where he will want us to pray together for that prodigal son or daughter. To pray together about that unemployment issue. And the Lord is as though the Lord says that when they pray, I will answer. And so there will be times when we will walk, pray together and we'll see prayers answered together. And the Lord does that so that we can rejoice together and we can see Him move and work together. Isn't that cool? And then there are times coming in our life that we'll have celebrations and we'll be able to celebrate together. And Luke 15 is just a perfect illustration of that where a farmer who loses a lamb finds it and tells everybody about it and they celebrate together. A woman loses a precious coin and she tells her friends that everyone celebrates together and then a son comes home and then the whole world knows and they kill the fatted calf because my son who I thought was dead is now alive and we celebrate together. And that's the joy of being in groups together when we can do that together. I love this picture. Check this picture out. One of the favorite places that we go and I've taken my grandkids there is the Calaveras big trees. They are huge, huge trees. Those trees there have lived thousands of years and in the thousands of years they have experienced everything. They have experienced drought. This is nothing new. They've experienced forest fires. This is nothing new. They've experienced enormous snowstorms. They've experienced howling winds and they still stand because their roots grow down deep so they can hold fast. But you know what this tree needs? The only way that this tree propagates is when fire comes and the heat from the flames causes those little cones to pop open and the seeds fall into the ash and when the fire is all done, they sprout and they grow. Isn't that amazing? That God has designed this tree to withstand the fires. That's, that bark is impervious to fires. But it needs fire in order for it to grow and to thrive and to give off new life. And that's what exactly what he does in each of our lives as he introduces fires and trials and tribulations and temptations, that new life comes out of those things when it's in the Lord's hands. I've given you a prayer in your sheet. I'm not going to go through each one of those points right now for sake of time, but I want to give you an assignment that this next week that you pray for our church as I've listed there. You pray that our church would be a place where the broken who come are broken would find healing. For those who are lost would be found. For those who are detached from a family would find a new family. And as you pray through those three, those 10 things that are there, pray, Lord, Lord would you use me and my family in any way that you would want in any of these areas to be a part of somebody finding you. That I would be a part of your work And bringing healing to someone. And helping them to find a family to somebody who's been detached and lost. For that prodigal son to come home. Lord, would you use me a part of your healing process in that that person's life. Lord, would you use me. But would you pray for us that our church would be this kind of church. That those who are far away would be brought near. That those who are lost would be found. That those who need a family would find it here at Big Valley Grace. So here's the so what. Folks, life is better connected. That song that says, I am an island, <laughs> that wasn't a song written by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and that wasn't written by somebody who knew Christ. The Lord does not want us to be an island. He does not want us to be separated from his people. We need each other. We grow best in community. So let's get connected. Find a place to belong. There are places to belong in men's ministry that meets here every Monday night and and Monday morning over in series every Monday morning. Uh, Here on Monday night, there's women's groups that are meeting. There's the teams of ushers that you see here. They not only serve you here, but they pray for one another. They help one another. In Ohana Island, they not only serve, but they encourage one another. Be in a place where you are known. Get connected to be supported to the body of Christ so that you might grow and flourish in him, so that you might draw near to him and you might hold fast to him. That would be the Lord's desire. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege and opportunity today to teach your word and open your word for for your benefit, Lord, for your glory, Lord, that you would help us to be men and women that would hold fast to you, that we'd be eager to draw near to you, And Lord, that we would encourage one another, spurring one another to be the kind of people you would want us to be. In our workplace, in our homes, within our families, wherever you would take us. So Lord, have your perfect way with us. Lord, would your blessing be upon us, would you fill us with your spirit, would you use us to your glory in the days and weeks to come. And we give you the praise and thanksgiving in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen.